Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another Beautiful day in the neighborhood, Wednesday, June 17th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh. And it's another day of us putting the fun in functional sports content. Kevin, I don't know what to say. We maybe have reached a point where, like, I just have no confidence or faith in anything. There's your confidence meter. But remember, my confidence meter from the beginning was always like incomplete, N-A. And I think that's what I'm holding to now. You know, late last week, Manfred kind of did the circuit, was getting interviewed, was on podcast, being like, listen, I am 100% confident that we're going to have a season. Right. And that is, in essence, because we knew they could always default back to the late March agreement if they didn't come up with something now. Right. And we always thought even we saw from passing earlier in the week that like players are saying, you know, just tell us when to report. Just tell us the answer so we can end all this. Well, I think the situation has changed a little bit. It seems now that if and when the league delivers the schedule and says, you know, hey, we're going to have 54 games. I need you to report on June 28th, whatever the case may be. The players still have an option. It looks like they can file a grievance. And we've talked about this term, right? The idea of good faith negotiations. Okay. And they can challenge the fact that these negotiations were not in good faith. And pretty much, Kevin, that's what you've been saying the entire time, right? Because they're not actually moving. Here's the analogy I have for you, Kev. I don't know if you play poker, right? But sometimes when you flop the nuts, right, you slow play the hand, right? And don't move. And I think that's what the owners were kind of doing over the last month or two. They were slow playing all this because they knew they had the break open glass option that they wanted that maintained some profits. So were they ever really operating in good faith? That is the question. And by the way, Tony Clark, the Players Association president, has now all of a sudden started to use the term bad faith negotiations in his vocabulary. Both sides have. Yeah. Both sides are like, no one's negotiating in good faith. And the safe fail was supposed to be Manfred. I got to tell right. you, Dane, I, I think he got, I think he kind of got exposed pretty badly the other day. I think, you know, I, I've saw some people, the only defense that I've seen of Manfred, it's a fair one, but it kind of goes to show just how little of, of a defense anyone can offer is that it's not really his fault. He's just kind of an employee. Oh, yeah, he works for the owners. owners. Right. And That's what every commissioner is, right? Right. And I think they're basically like, you know, Manfred's only doing what he's being told. If maybe if Manfred yeah. had his way, he'd go about it a different way. That's possible. Maybe. I, I feel like, though, as a commissioner, surely you have to have some power to be able to communicate to your owners how bad this all looks. Right. But nevertheless, I think he looks real bad. I, I think he looks real bad. When you come out and say we will 100% have baseball, 100% have baseball, we are all aware, right, that he supposedly has the power to do that, mm-hmm. right? One side of the table, your opposing side says, all right, tell us when, tell us where, and you... What's changed? Think about that, Dane, right? Like, in that time frame, right, it's not like the players have said, by the way, we have a lot of health negotiations to get into. Did the opposite. They were like, by the way, we've not held things up for health negotiations. They've done the complete opposite. Nothing has changed from the player's side since Manford has said we will 100% have baseball. And this, to me, is is an overarching problem that anybody who has taken the time since Blake Snell spoke, because that's the only thing I think that maybe has gone right for the owners. And I still don't even know why that was landed for so many people. I agree right. with what Blake Snell was saying. I guess people just don't like Twitch streamers. But <laughs> nevertheless, everything the, the, that's come from the owners and Manfred's side, to me, Dane, has been very see-through. And they are. This is, it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible to lose that battle. It's from Remember what we talked about a couple months back? I think it was months back. It could have been years. I'll never yeah, know time Who knows again. these days, right. But I think it was Tom Glavin who was talking about when he was kind of the, le- the leader for the players. Yeah. 
And he's like, you have to stop trying to win the public battle with the owners because you're never going to win it. People just attack the players. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kane, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too much in a bubble here, but like, I think the players might be winning this battle. The owners are embarrassing themselves. So I have a slight pushback here, Kev, okay? Because here's my different, and again, it's with the sequence of events, okay? Because what would happen here is Manfred will deliver the schedule, okay? But then the players, the only way we don't get baseball at this point Mm. is if the players file a grievance, okay? So what will happen is... Manfred and the owners will deliver the schedule and be like, here's where it is. 54 games report June 27th, right? Mm -hmm. But then the ball is in the player's court. If they want to kind of actualize their last resort option, Mm -hmm. it's them filing a grievance and saying, oh, no, we're not going to play this schedule. And in that situation... I actually think the court of public opinion flip-flops in a way that you're not saying, because I don't think the players would win the battle. Because at that scenario, right, if we fast forward in about two weeks, right, mm-hmm. and Manfred has said, here's what the schedule is, we're going to play 52 games, we're starting on July 4th, whatever it is, right, it would then be the players holding that up. It would be the players filing a grievance and preventing, albeit a pretty much piss poor one third of the schedule, but it would be the players actually holding up ultimately baseball happening. And I think then the court of public opinion, the PR of it all would not actually all side with the players. The narrative would be, here's what the schedule is. The players are deciding to file a grievance and hold up actually getting back on the field. I think the players would lose the sentiment if they, go with this actual option because at that point we'd have a schedule and it would be like, oh, the owners are saying this, here's what it is, and now why aren't the players just taking their medicine and doing it? Yeah, so I think that's fair. What I guess I would would say is we have a gap right now, at least I believe, from today until when the owners slash Manfred will give us the schedule. Yeah. And what hopefully happens is in that time frame the thread that trevor bauer delivered on twitter becomes public knowledge and Mm. more than just the thirty-four thousand likes that he has on twitter and the eight and a half thousand retweets um one of them um and if i may dane just kind of go through this thread here for people that maybe haven't seen it It's, it's a little bit lengthy so forgive me but i think it's really worth everybody's time Uh, So he writes, so Rob, explain to us how you can be 100% sure that there's going to be baseball, but not confident there will be baseball at the same time. What changed between those statements? Players told you to set the season, but it's too early to set the season right now, isn't it, Rob? Because then you'd have to explain why you're only going to impose 50 games when we could easily play 70 plus right now. The tactic is to bluff with no season again and delay another two to three weeks. Slow playing it. Clear the risk of not negotiating in good faith by trying to play as many games as possible. Now, the threat does go on uh, from there. But it's slow playing it to get to the point in time where they can only get to 50 anyway, right? We're killing the days of the calendar by what some people are calling these bad faith negotiations to the point where everyone's got to just land on that because it's almost the only option then. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot, again, there's a lot more to worth the whole thing. I'm not going to read the whole thing for everybody, but basically... Due to math of figuring out what will likely be that proposed 50-ish game schedule, postseason, spring training, Bowers pretty much said, all right, so realistically, June 28th is going to be your deadline. That's what I figured out. Today's June, and he at the time said, you know, it's June 15th. How do you delay another 13 days? Yes, we all got that answer today. Threaten to cancel the season, threaten arbitration, threaten grievances. All the while, you hold the fans for ransom, hold the future of the game for ransom, no one believes your bluff, bud. I think this to me, Dane, I mean, it resonated with me. I think, to be honest with you, if you've been following this situation and you come across that thread, hard not to resonate with it. It's a matter of that becoming more common knowledge, right? So, and will it? Yeah, because you've got, um, you know, that from that window, about a two-week window here, yeah. Dane, for people to be you know to kind of see through i mean if if he really announces a 50 game schedule on june 28th 
I mean, boy, oh boy, is that going to be <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about this even like last week, right? We were saying, uh-oh, maybe all these back and forths are in essence, you know, just giving then Manfred the cover to then ultimately deliver the schedule. We talked about it, whether it was good faith negotiations or not, right? But yeah, that's why I'm I'm using the term they're slow playing it because they know that the last resort is what they ultimately want. They have that in their back pocket so they can just play the game and lob it right back over the net. And if it is described as good faith, then boom, they ultimately get the plan and the number of games, which, as you and I know, protect their profit margin to a certain extent. I fully believe that they're going to break open the glass and do this last resort, like you said, in the next week or so, right? The question then is, yeah. do the players kind of break open their emergency glass, mm -hmm. right? And, and trigger this idea of, well, we're going to file the grievance because it's bad faith negotiations. I will say this, though, Kev, if they do that, Mm -hmm. We're going to be somewhere in the month of July where basketball is excited because they're going down to Orlando when soccer games are happening in the MLS. Mm -hmm. And then the owners will be able to frame the narrative as though we've delivered the schedule. We've told them to report the players are grieving, in essence, locking themselves out. That then sounds like it's the players choosing to not deliver baseball to the public because the owners will at that point have said, look, we on June 28th or on June whatever said, yeah. here's the schedule. They're not showing up. The reason there's no baseball in 2020 is the players are not showing up. If the owners can say that in two or three weeks, baseball players will lose in the court of public opinion. And ultimately, though, it's we're all going to lose. But it's true. <laughs> right. And, and now, obviously, they'll then have the chance to try to defend themselves and explain to people why, why they're filing that grievance. Uh, look, one of the other issues is that, and it's, again, but these are the tactics that, that are being exposed. The owners have been so sloppy, I can't even trust them to execute it, Dane. They've said, here's our proposal. But they've, they've wrapped it in three different types of wrapping paper, and they think nobody's going to notice it's the same terrible gift. They... They tried to say, oh, well, what if all the top players take right. the pay cut? They thought it would divide the players. And it They're was killing time, Kev. They're down. killing time. They're stalling. Well, I think they, they were trying to handle these negotiations and, and all of this, and it's not, it's not working for them on a pretty consistent basis. Ultimately, though, Dane, we got to call it what it is. Lack of confidence in there being baseball this year. I know you don't love a confidence meter, and I know that that safety glass there was a big reason – why you thought that there could be this. And I know you love the art of a, of a negotiation. I do. It's not going well. And it's I do. hard to be confident. You're right. I mean, this this is a ripple. Uh, this is a wrinkle, right? Because I thought, and a lot of people thought, that Manfred would deliver the schedule and that would be the end of the story. But now we've got another weapon that the players can use to drag this out even further. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. We're about to give you the edge in European soccer. Now, Kevin, so far, when we've been talking soccer overseas, we've been talking in Belarus. We've been talking Bundesliga. We've been talking mannequins and sex dolls in the stands. But we've got games in what many people believe is the most top-flight best league in the entire country. The Premier League in England is, in fact, coming back. Kevin... Uh, you know, you like confidence meters. Uh, what's your excitement meter for this coming back, Premier League? Oh, it's, it's it's massive. It's massive. You could ask our producer, Martino. I texted him the other day. I'm like, hey, what size do you think is, is a good size to get in jerseys? This, that, and the third. Where's the good website? I ordered uh, my, my Marcus Rashford jersey for Manchester okay. United. It came. It fit beautifully. I can't wait to have it on uh, for Friday. I, I mean, very excited. Very, right. very excited. 
um, to say the least. Fair enough. It sounds like you mentioned Man U. I then we're not cool anymore, bro. Oh, no. Because if anything, I ride with Man City. Why? I told you before because NYCFC mm. is kind of under the same parent umbrella in the Baby Blues, under the umbrella of the Etihad and that crew. And Man City is one of the teams that will get it going later on this afternoon. They first of all, if you don't know, and if you're very kind of new to the Premier League, Man City against Arsenal, these are two of the teams that usually are competing for things like Europa, for Champions League. Man City and Arsenal get it going tomorrow afternoon. How do you think this one shakes out, Kev? Uh, this is a massive game. First yeah. of all, you're, you're dealing with a situation, though, as you mentioned, these are two very well-known clubs. Yeah. So on the bat, for that to kind of be... One of the first game backs, I believe Sheffield and uh, Aston Villa will kick off first. Yeah. And it'll kind of be like a staggered start, which I think is cool. Um, but this is – it's such a big game because they're they're both very, very big clubs. And there's quite a bit on the line here um, from the Arsenal perspective. So the one thing that these four teams that have in common that are playing uh, on uh, today, actually, right, yeah. um, is that they are all on 28 games played where the rest of the league – That's what I was going to ask. Where are they in their season? Yeah. So they're all looking to get onto level uh, ground with the rest of the league. So that really matters. For example, for Arsenal, through 28 games, they've picked up 40 points. But sitting in front of them uh, are a couple of teams that are on 43 points. So with the win, depending on uh, what that could mean for goal differential, they could see themselves uh, in sixth, as high okay. as sixth, in the table, gets them right then in the mix for potentially a spot in Europe, um, yeah. you know, Europa League. So... It's mm -hmm. a very, very, very important game for Arsenal, who's actually, you know, and you would see them right now, sit, you know, seated in ninth. You're like, this has to be a total disaster. But things have kind of taken a bit of a turn for them. They made a, a change at the top. Mikel Arteta is now the manager, who actually left Manchester City as an assistant ah. for Pep Guardiola. Since he showed up, they've not lost a single game in the wow. Premier League. Um, and it's it's been very, very impressive. They've only been uh, held scoreless once in this entire run that they've been on. Hmm. Unfortunately, though, they are running into a team that has That's given it. them absolute nightmares. Uh, the earlier fixture uh, for this in the, uh, I think it was in December, but Arteta, not the coach, um, Arsenal hosted and lost 3-0. Uh, City has won six straight games in this matchup they've they've just dominated it um pretty much in in every facet here but i look through this game and a minus 310 favorite uh, right now number. take over at the FanDuel sportsbook yeah. it is a big number and arsenal actually had won three straight games to close out uh before we hit the break they're really hmm. maybe the most informed team in the entire league when the break uh, arrived but do I want to get involved in a plus 700, a matchup that's been a nightmare for them? You know how often uh, when we do teacher versus student matchups, think about any time Bill Belichick goes up True. against somebody that is a former coach of his. Typically, you're like, oh, Bill's going to kind of put them in their place. Could it be a comparable situation here with Manchester City? Where I think you're, I, I think there are two different parlay options for you, both involving a Manchester City win. Again, them being home, them being right. fresh, they're dominant. Well, no fans. Game. We've seen, though, with no fans. What do you think that is? Is that going to have the same impact that we've seen in Bundesliga, you think? I, I think it could. And I think it might maybe apply to our second game. Okay. Maybe, maybe a bit more. Right. I think Man City, though, because we've still kind of seen some of the, the top teams. I Like Bayern. I mean, then again, Bayern's been great everywhere. And right. Manchester City is, is comparable. On that level, right? They're a Champions League contender. Yeah. I, they've actually, for a while, were the favorite for Champions yeah, League. For, Champions for a while, uh, they, they were the favorite. So I think if you take that, you know, let's just call it about a minus 300 number for Manchester City. And there's two parlay options. There's the over three and a half goals, which mm. is actually right now at around even money. And you can yep. get that parlay for around plus 150. Okay. Your other option is something that I actually take from, um, you know, our favorite soccer guest, Martino Puccio. Yes, sir. Um, of both teams to score. That's what I'm That's looking a, at. Minus 174, right? Yeah. And, and that in a parlay, again, with City to win, is around uh, plus 135. And again, depending on the kind of better you are, Dane, I, I think you could even argue that both teams to score 
at about minus 175 yeah. is, is a more than fair price. Again, uh, we've got a situation here where Arsenal has been putting in the goals with Mikel Arteta. It's the best thing that they've been able to do pretty much under his watch. City has scored three or more goals in five of the last six meetings of this six-game win streak. I mean, wow. it's just – they just pour it on. Right. I mean, then that's what happens. Sergio Aguero, yeah. Kevin Devine, like they have all of this talent. So I look through this. I think there's a couple of parlay options you can get here. I personally am a bit nervous of a minus 300-ish price right. on a home team from what we've seen from the Bundesliga on a restart. Um, this is a good spot here to see how much does form matter as well, right? Because Arsenal came off so hot. But I think both teams to score, probably the favorite bet. And if you're somebody that is okay laying, say, minus 175 on a normal bet, yeah. that's that's a number that I, you know, if we did over one and a half touchdowns sometimes during the NFL season, Dana, I guess no, you get it like that. Um, I, I think both teams to score here is, is a pretty solid bet, along with uh, maybe a city in the over parlay. Could I ever interest you? You know where I'm going, Ken. I know Could that. I ever interest you in the plus 460? You're talking about how much Arsenal is scoring, right? It makes me wonder or think could 1-1 or 2-2 be in the cards when I see plus 460? You know, it is the first time back, you know, right? And if Arsenal is kind of in good form, I know they have the um, the horses to be able to score. Now, Man City, I know, is a very dynamic group themselves. Could I interest you in the plus 460 for the draw? You, you can actually, you, you, you can really interest me in the draw in both of these games because wow. you look at it and you understand it. Like, again, yeah, Arsenal's in form. City is City. We're coming back and we don't really know what to expect. I could see a 2-2 draw, right? Like, you could... And it's a plus four sixty. Plus four sixty. I might put a couple of shekels on that, right? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not. I'm not mad at that one bit. You yeah. know, again, in this unbeaten run that I mentioned for Arsenal, again, just for anybody that's maybe still not fully adjusted to it, it doesn't mean that they've won every game. Right. They've not been beat, okay? Right. Because you know, and they pulled out their fair share of draws. The one thing is, and it's it's risky. It is risky, right? But Manchester City is semi in a no man's land. They're four games up, again, with a game in hand on Leicester City to sit in second place. And I think they should be able to hold off Leicester. Right. But Champions League is certainly secure They're for them. They're a lock for champions. But they don't I, really have too much to play for anymore, right? But I'm also not sure. They have, like, some bans coming up. They could potentially be having to miss out on Champions League. There's some interesting stuff with them. <laughs> oh, yeah, the fair are. play stuff as well. So we'll definitely keep our eye out on they that. They can't I'm catch intrigued. Liverpool. Like, that's right. the problem with them. That's what I'm saying. They're almost locked Arsenal. into second, right? right? And Arsenal, though, can start. I mean, you know, with a game in hand and being five points off of, say, okay. fifth spot Manchester United, to be only two points back with everything in terms of level games played. So Arsenal has a very big, you know, not, not that they would ever kind of let the game float by. It's just the point of, like, if motivation was going to be your deciding factor, you'd give Arsenal a lot more credit than say you would if that wasn't going to factor in enough for you. Oh, Kev, that plus 460 draw seems very interesting. We will talk about it later on this week. But you mentioned that was the second game. I led with the headline game. The first game, though, will happen earlier in the day this afternoon on the Eastern time zone here, Aston Villa against Sheffield United. Yeah, so this is actually another really fun game, though. Um, these are two teams that both were promoted to come back into the Premier League. Ah. Um, Pretty different season. Sheffield United right now sits in seventh. Okay, they're actually trying to see if they can flirt with a spot Thank in Europe, right. which is which is incredible. Aston Villa would be big money for that kind of squad moving up, just getting promoted. Yes. Then all of a sudden, the financial boom that would come for qualifying for Europa, absolutely, absolutely massive. However, Aston Villa sits in nineteenth. Hmm. Not great. Not great. One bit. Shan. Yeah, uh, pretty much. What's the difference Shan. here? is Sheffield has conceded the second fewest goals in the league, which is ridiculous. Liverpool's conceded the fewest. I mean, so we're talking about all of the top flight clubs here. Right. Sheffield United, second fewest conceded. That's incredibly impressive. Aston Villa, they've given up the most goals in the league. But there's a couple of different angles that sit on the, on the table here, I think, right? One of the things you have to keep in mind is these are rivals, okay? Both teams coming up from the champion uh, from the championship, and the, this is going to always kind of be a heated matchup. So you look through it, 
And I, I looked at, you know, again, Sheffield obviously trying to make their claim for you. Here's the thing that's in, in, uh, in the deck for, for Aston Villa here. They're on okay. 25 points, 28 games played. Okay. Right now, in 16th is West Ham United with 27 points. So a win here for Aston Villa clears them of relegation. Now, mm. obviously, there's a lot more games that will need to be played. Sure. But they can go from 19 to 16, okay, with yeah. a win here against a Sheffield team that, as much as it's 19 versus 7, right, it's is a game that they're familiar with. They feel like they have a bit of a chance. Mm. But, I, but I also have a spot here, Dane, where I could back a road favorite. First road favorite on the board. Right. Pretty enticing. Right. I've gone back and forth here a number of times, even to the point where I said, man, maybe the draw is... Maybe the draw is plus two is the way to go. Right, which, which wouldn't be bad. You know, I actually think a no, both teams to score. I, I, and I know this is, you know, it's, it's interesting. Nothing kind of game. Yeah, because... Gets that goal, then all of a sudden just puts 11 yeah. behind the ball and tappy with their potential three points. Yeah. Sheffield is such a defensive team that they're, if they win one nothing, like they're confident kind of playing that style, right? Yeah. And if Aston V is going to get it done, the thing is, like as much as we, you know, I'm, I'm talking about Sheffield and their incredible ability to not allow goals, they're not really a very good goal scoring team. They're more closer to the bottom of the table. And it's about even money, minus 105. I think both teams not to score in this matchup is an interesting play. Interesting. I just looked at over under two and a half goals as well. And to go under two and a half goals is minus 130. So like maybe that. you can play in that pond as well. When we come back, Kev, we got some more talk about the round ball that gets kicked around, not only in England, but in all of Europe, they could be rejoicing. I'll tell you why when we come back. It's the early line giving you the edge on sports Group. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching SportsGrid. Get on the Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line on Sports Grid. Kevin and I, we're looking at the reopening of the Premier League, and I know that's going to make a lot of European soccer fans happy. You were talking, though, in there about Man City, right, a team that's at the top of the league. When we've been talking about Bundesliga for the last couple of weeks, you know, we've been focusing on teams like Leverkusen and Gladbach because they're right there at the line to qualify for next year's Champions League. Now, Champions League is where all the top teams from, you know, France, Italy, and and, and even lesser-known kind of countries, there's a it's, it's like a 10-month tournament. It really starts the qualifications from some of those lower leagues all the way into what would have been May, I believe, when they have the Premier League final. And that's when you would see like a Barcelona versus a Bayern, right? You'd see a PSG versus a Man City. And, you know, it's very, very exciting for those kind of fans. Well... Champions League is back, Kev. It looks like just adding, right, to how we think uh, eventually, whether it be August or September, we are going to be stocked and booked and triple booked, in essence, where that's going to happen in Europe as well. It looks like they're going to bring eight teams into, I believe, Portugal to do kind of the knockout stage of what would have been uh, Champions League. Yeah, so they're, they're going to uh, finish up what is left of the round of 16, uh, from what I understand. So you've got Juventus and Lyon who need to play, which is pretty interesting. Juventus actually uh, is down right now on aggregate. Okay, you got a they only did one side of home and home? Yep. Yes, yeah, so you've got Manchester City who has to play Real Madrid. City is home uh, with a lead in aggregate, so Real Madrid actually could find themselves bounced um, in the round of 16. Uh, and then you've got Barca who heads home 1-1 on aggregate with Napoli. Um, all signs would point to Barca. And then Bayern Munich is home up 3-0 on mm. Chelsea on aggregate. And oh, that's why Bayern Munich are your favorites right now um, for this entire thing because they are that good. So then and already waiting for them, you've got PSG, Atletico Madrid, uh, Leipzig, and Atalanta. Um, ah. 
Um, that's that. That's the uh, goal scoring squad that our friend Martino loves so much. Um, so yeah, I mean, and this is big time money, right? Like we talked about the money for these teams to get this deep into the tournament. I mean, where do we go from here? Like, is it about the scheduling? Are there still things to be worked out, you know, in terms of like in these other sports, you know, testing, quarantine, fear of a second wave, because this is multiple countries coming together. And just like we talked about previously, you know, when the United States and Canada, whether it's the Toronto Blue Jays or the Raptors or a hub city for the NHL, you know, talk to me about the level of detail still left to iron out, because as we've seen in all these other sports, it does not necessarily inspire confidence. Are you confident that they've dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's here? Yeah, I, I believe so. You know, they're, they're going to the, the rulings will be coming out um, pretty soon and they're going to try and offer the details. Now, there are some big changes, though, that seem to be on the table here. Uh, first of all, they're going to be trying to play seven games. So that's when we get. Your, your quarterfinals, semifinals, and then finals in a 12-day span, which is, you know, now, now that doesn't mean that a team's going to be playing seven games. It's just right. seven total games. So there'd be a day with four, a day with two. But three rounds finals. in yes. 12 days. So your, your two finals teams will play, play three, three games in 12 days, which, though, is actually not all that uncommon. We've seen that since the Bundesliga has restarted. Um, we've seen teams kind of on that same Condensed schedule. Head. yeah. So that's actually very exciting to me. The idea that they're going to be able to load up in a short span. And again, look, we're talking about the best teams in the yeah. world. The the best of them. Yeah. With the best players in the world. All of the stakes, the most important trophy in the sport. Maybe, you know, outside of the World Cup, let me not say things yeah, that yeah, can yeah. get in trouble. But you know what I mean. Like the Champions yeah. League is, is a, the most important sure. club trophy that exists. And... You're going to be able to present it, I think, in a way, Dane, that's going to really, really push eyes, I think, to the product. The big differentiator here, though, for us that are going to be looking to wager on this is it looks like we're going to go to single elimination. Mm. Getting rid of... Oh, like the aggregate home and home? Yeah. That is that is a big difference. And where would they be played? In neutral sites or in one of these teams' home spots? They're, they're going to go to uh, Libsyn for oh, all okay. of the, the neutral site games. Lisbon, Portugal. So, yeah, so, they're, they're, so like Manchester City is going to host that second leg against right. Real Madrid. Once, once we, we get to the eight. round of eight, yep, they're going to – two different stadiums in Libsyn will be hosting uh, these fixtures. And it's going to be single elimination. And that's – that's massive, okay? Yeah. Just for an example, if Atalanta, say, got matched up with Barcelona and they steal a one nothing victory in the first yeah. leg, right? Yeah. yeah. That's not going to work for them, though. By leg two, Barca's going to eventually right. crack Barca that wins 4-1 on the way back, yeah. Yeah, Barca's just going to crack that code. It, it's inevitable. Now, you're, you're talking, uh, you know, we know this, right? It's a lot more variance, a lot, yeah. you know, a lot more risk involved with single elimination, just, you know, ask for the Virginia Cavaliers. Like, sure. that's what's at play here. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they want to do with the futures market at the FanDuel Sportsbook. But bless them, I mean, it's up right now. The FanDuel uh, has the futures market available right now for the Champions League. Your favorite is Bayern Munich. Man City, not that far behind at plus 300. Um, and a lot of that has to do with Bayern is pretty much through. City having to play a Real Madrid leaves, you know, some right. question marks probably kind of on them advancing. And, you know, so then and then Barcelona follows. Those are your top four favorites. Uh, PSG splitting the difference between City and Barca. So it's going to be really, really interesting just mm. to see how the the futures market, I think, looks when we get our finalized round of the matchup. Right, because they'd have now, to do the draw, right? Yeah, and I think from what I from what I understood here, Dane, they might be presenting us a bracket. Um, for anybody that's followed the Champions League, we're hitting draws every round, obviously, <laughs> other than the finals. Right. Um, um I, unless maybe there's a situation where you can't play the same team from the same league. I know they they pulled that off for as long yeah, as but I don't possible. know if they do that this far into the tournament. They may only do that in the round of sixteen, and yeah. then like. Spain can see Spain because we're this far down, almost like they try to keep teams from the same conference away from each other in March Madness. But at some point, they just can't do that, yeah. right? 
But I'm intrigued by them hanging these futures odds before they know the round of eight matchups because that could create, you know, the easier path for one team or another. And we don't necessarily have that information. But yes, our friends over at FanDuel have hung it and in order, as you said, it's Bayern Munich, Man City, then PSG, Barca, Atletico Madrid, Leipzig, and on and on and on. Cristiano Ronaldo and the old lady are 16 to 1 to win it all. And, you know, I like to ride with Ronaldo sometimes in these tournament uh, aspects. But we'll definitely follow that. And once we know the full round of eight and the draw, we will cover it. We'll probably even have our guy Martino in to break down some of those matchups. But, you know, that's European soccer. Mm -hmm. But one of the things we've been talking about is back here at home, in MLS, they may be, you know, as baseball pisses it away and the court of public opinion sours on them, right? MLS may grab the brass ring. And here's what I think is very, very interesting. I really believe this news that we saw could even bring newer audiences and fresh eyes to soccer. Kevin, mm. I talked to you about the Philadelphia Union. In my opinion, the biggest threat to NYCFC in Group A of the MLS's back tournament. Well, they've got a new minority owner, mm. uh, Kevin. And with a 5% claim to the Philadelphia Union is now... Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant has bought 5% of the Philadelphia Union. I hear Russell Wilson also has a stake in an MLS team. There are some other players. I think this is real smart. You know, we've talked about um, the African-American athlete, right, becoming head coaches, GMs. You know, A-Rod wants to own a team. Derek Jeter, Michael Jordan. This is a way to do it. I am intrigued by this. And then also, real quick, listen to what Kevin Durant said. Off the pitch, I'm looking forward to working in the Chester and Philadelphia communities and making an impact the same way that my foundation has been able to in my hometown of Prince George's County. So KD, I don't think, wants to be kind of a figurehead or just a name. He wants to be active in the community there in Philadelphia. I tip my cap to the man. I think this is a win-win for everybody. Yeah, for sure. Now, I don't know. Should I be petty and can just continue to point out how he does everything to a lesser degree than LeBron, who's got stake in Liverpool and not yes, Philadelphia? You could be no, petty. I, you know what? I won't even bring it up, in fact, Dane. I won't even bring it up. Okay. I think, I think so we'll clip that. We'll edit that out of the segment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. doesn't even exist. Never said it. Right. Harden also has the, the Houston Dynamo, also an MLS. Russell Wilson has a squad. So, you know, maybe LeBron just wants to be fancy. That's all. I, I think I think when, you, when we look at um, – when because you, you kind of talked about the idea, right, though, of more just owners being black, right? And uh, the, the pathway, I think, to that is these athletes that are, you know, I think the, the difference, right, um, some comedians said it was like the difference between like rich and wealthy. Ah, right? yes. And Rock said it. Right, okay. Um, I think you're looking at scenarios here, though, where these athletes are wealthy, right? I mean, they have just the, the, the sneaker deals, the contracts. To sign other people's checks. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> things are changing. And genuinely, it's the expectation very much so is that LeBron will own an NBA team. And I think it'd be really, you know, it'd be awesome if he, though, wasn't the only one. Like, it'd be awesome if Kevin Durant owned an NBA team. And, and, and that kind of became a thing because, you know, that is... Dane, also to a degree, what um, we talk about when people talk about, you know, kind of changing the way things are is you need people of color in different positions. And it's a trickle down effect because then the opportunities can be split more evenly, certainly a, a lot more evenly than they are at the moment. Yeah, I mean, listen, let's put it this way. To wrap it up for me, the idea of Kevin Durant or LeBron or Harden or even Russell Wilson, you know, becoming part owners. Remember, Alex Rodriguez was looking to own the Mets with J-Lo. Derek Jeter is already in this spot. Obviously, Michael Jordan is already in this spot. Here's what I'll say, Kevin, one sentence. It's a far cry from shut up and dribble now, isn't it, right? And I think that is what we're talking about in terms of the times they are a-changing. But Kevin, I gotta tell you something, the times are a-changing in a lot of other ways, right? Mm. Not only with the kind of financial power that some of these young black men are exhibiting and how they can do it to gain um, a seat at the table, shall we say, uh, as we know, and we've been chronicling for the last weeks and months, the times are changing in a lot of other ways. And when we come back on the early line, 
I want to shine a spotlight in how these things are training, changing, whether it be in protests, whether it be in young athletes using their power that they actually do have in different ways. It's all tied together, and we're going to shine a light on it when we come back. It's the early line right here on Sports Grid. We're giving you the edge. Come on back. Kevin and I will be here. Hopefully you will be too. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. Kevin and I, we were talking about how the times they are a-changing, Kev. We mentioned how Kevin Durant, you know, James Harden, Russell Wilson, among, uh, you know, African-American high-end athletes right now, they're looking to use their money to kind of invest in other teams. We mentioned James Harden has a stake in the Houston Dynamo and Kevin Durant recently buying a stake in the Philadelphia Union. But when I look to the world of soccer, Kevin, that's not the only thing that's changing. We've, you know, we touched on it a little bit, but there has been this back and forth idea with players kneeling. Remember, Megan Rapino did, in fact, kneel with the UN, uh, U.S. women's national team. And after, you know, Roger Goodell and Drew Brees and a lot of other people have been kind of having their stance on this evolve, so has U.S. soccer. OK, they have come out and said now, listen, they're cool. With their players kneeling, in essence, you know, this is protecting of the right of peacefully protesting all the way back from Colin Kaepernick and others. It's just interesting, though, when you throw in the ingredient of our president, who is also saying that he will no longer watch U.S. soccer if this is happening. The back and forth continues, but it seems like U.S. soccer is now also added to the list of those, for lack of a better term, just trying to be on the right side of history on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's what that it is. is. It, that, deep what analysis out of Kevin right. Walsh on this one. You know what, man? We've we've gone over it so many times, right. and, and I right. think what's it's what else is there left to say, right? Such a drastic, in my opinion, change in the people that are you. You know, you right? You saw Randy Orton's comments. Woo! Right. Woo! There it is, guys. We I, uh, what is it? Forty-six minutes into the show. Not bad. Um, but like Randy Orton is someone. If you followed wrestling. When Randy Orton is out there like, oh, I understand everything now, right? As much as, as much as it's like, should have understood it then, it's also like, oh, Randy Orton got it? Like, y- you got to get it. You got <laughs> to get it, right? Yep. And if you don't get it, you don't want to, right? And I think that's where we're at at this point, yeah. It's, it's frustrating that people in certain positions – don't have any interest in getting it. No interest. And, and it, I mean, listen, there's a reason why, like, like think about this, man. It's that strong for a reason, Kev. Drew Brees would have doubled down, right? Now, the locker room would have continued to look at him sideways, right? right? But in terms of his, like, what he wants to do after his career, right? Because there's this idea that he wants to be a politician. If anything, would have boosted his chances. It would have been fine, right? But Drew Brees... It's not where he was running for office, but yes. <laughs> Drew Brees, right, took the time. Now, again, should have got it four years ago, right? Should have, didn't. Almost didn't get it still four years later. And then took the time to speak with people and proceeded to apologize and even try and reach out to those who don't get it about why they need to get it. Now, I think that's absolutely right, and I like the way you frame it. We've said this before when you started talking about this on this very show. I like the way you frame it. It's not the side of, you know, black or white. It's not the side of police or protest. It's the side of people who get it and people who don't. And police men and women can get it. Um, minorities can not get it. Absolutely. And so, you know, I do think this is interesting and we will continue to shine the light on this because remember, one of my nicknames is, of course, the stable genius and vocal minority. Another thing 
Kev, that I think the tide is turning on people just getting is the idea of college kids being able to earn revenue on their name, image, and likeness. We've talked about this before, right? And then we had that thing about being a social media influencer. I've always thought it was ridiculous that if you're 17 years old and playing like football or baseball, you can't be a professional. But if you're playing golf or tennis, you certainly can. And that's interesting, right? But there's one school, the University of Nebraska, the Cornhuskers, which are going a step further, Kevin. And I want to get your reaction to this. The University of Nebraska has actually partnered with an athlete marketing program called Open Doors and are announcing the launch of a new program called Ready Now. It's the first of its kind partnership where what they're going to do is actually assist college athletes while they are in school with their own kind of personal branding to become a social media influencer. And I'm talking about the captain of the football team all the way down to the red shirt freshman in field hockey. Okay. The idea of them being able to build their personal brands so that they can maximize their name, image, and likeness and earn revenue. Uh, will you have the same reaction to this one? Like, yeah, good. <laughs> they should have yep. got it. Yep, good, good. <laughs> Not entertained. Here's the thing, right? Yeah. And this is the times they are a changing, Kev. It, it, you know, it it's always going to be frustrating. But if you can ever just laugh a little bit at the hypocrisy, right? It'll it'll make things a little bit easier on you. Right. A year ago, right? The idea of of college athletes making money was immoral and spoiled what is the foundation of college athletics, which is just playing for the love of the game, right? right? And now, a year later, all right, you know what? Let's hire a team. That way we can help them make that's money because right. that's going to give us a recruiting edge. Yes. And, like, you know, people are ridiculous. This, this is my biggest thing, and I've always said this, right? Like, the people who are making the mistakes, right? Like, that's one thing, and you have to live with that, and you have to be remorseful. But the people that went out of their way to defend those making the mistakes, now what? Right. That's right. 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 Do you not realize that the situation? The walls are closing in. Right. Like, exactly. You aligned yourself with the wrong side. Absolutely. It was obviously wrong. And the there's whole not time. many chances left. Right. Like Roger Goodell, Drew Brees, they took really. You know, they got in just under the curtain, right? And I think that's what you're saying, right, Kevin? I think it's becoming so patently obvious now. Yeah. That. <laughs> it's like, I mean, Ludacris once had a song that said, move, get out the way, right? And that's, I think, where we are right now. You know, conventional wisdom, public opinion is now so dominant in one direction that you don't have the cover you once had, the safety in numbers to represent an ignorant position anymore. So you're right. Eyes are on, you know, the other side to see how it plays. Um, absolutely. But here's what I think is interesting also. And let's take it to another piece of news that just happened and merging the two. Merging the two of what you're saying, people who get it and people who don't, and then merging the idea of college kids having power and leveraging social media in order to do so. I don't know if you saw this, Kevin, but Mike Gundy, the Oklahoma State coach, um, was pictured, you know, kind of recently out there, um, and he's rocking a shirt um, with a network of OAN. Now, I don't know if you know what that is, but in essence, and I want to try to be technically correct here, the best way I will say is that it is a, um, a media organization that is very sympathetic to the president and has been fact-checked a number of times and is on the far end of one of these continuums. I'll leave it at there. Okay. And Gundy was kind of representing them by wearing the t-shirt out there, had a picture out there. All right. Sam Hubbard, uh, Chubba, the running, Chubba, Chubba. Oh, excuse me. Right. Chubba Hubbard. Right. No, yeah. For, um, the running back for Oklahoma state, black, black man, um, a running back who had over 2000 yards last year, 21 touchdowns last, uh, last year is a legit Heisman trophy candidate. It's come out and saying, like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
this ain't cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not about this. And if he's going to be out there promoting this, I am not taking part in any Oklahoma State activities until there is some kind of change. I'm reminded of also, remember a couple of weeks ago when the new Florida State head coach came out and was like, yeah, we had these one-on-one -on -one conversations. And then who is the big stud defensive lineman? Do you remember that one? Yeah, um, I don't remember the name, but I know. Right. Yeah. He came out and was like, nah using his own following and power of social media to hold coaches, higher ups accountable, you know, to this, um, maybe just not getting it right. Kev, what do you think about this? Could, does Hubbard have enough juice here to move the needle on this? Well, listen, we've already gotten a video where Chuba and Gundy are in a video together, both offering their apologies um, Hubbard basically saying I should have went to him personally instead of tweeting uh, and Gundy saying, oh, it's time to learn and it's time to change. Um, ironically enough, the only person that actually said the words sorry were Chubba, which is what it is. Um, he did tweet after that as well, followed up. He's like, listen, we're not done. We're going to still move forward. Let me just say something again, because um, maybe this people don't understand. Right. They're, again, you know, some people some people love raising their hand. And be like, hey, by the way, I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and, you know, some people are like, what if he was wearing a CNN shirt? First of all, have you ever seen that before about someone who's not an employee at CNN? Never. I've never seen anyone wearing a CNN shirt. Let's push that to the side, right? If you'd like to be informed, Google OAN. Just I did keep the cliff notes, no? No, you did. But what if you were like, ah, it's just a news media outlet. Listen, let, let's just let's just let's just peel this sure. back so people can fully understand this. Sure. Recently, a clip of theirs where one of their anchors called the Black Lives Matter movement a farce. Simple as that. Okay. That photo of Gundy in that shirt, paired by the way, with comments talking about that news outlet as the most down the middle. Right. No opinion-based news he could find is going to upset your black athletes and really should upset the the, the lot. It should right. upset everybody, okay? It should upset some of your sponsors and other partners at this point also. That, like, realistically, okay, again, that... Like, I don't know who their uniforms are sponsored by, but if it's Nike, maybe they're pissed off, you know? Well, like, and, and that's a thing, by the way, right? And, like, those are the things that then will, like, have the needle shirt, right? But, like, that's the thing is, the, those are not, they're not apples to oranges. Like, the, that network legitimately is, like, looked at as, like, a propaganda network, okay? And that's why Some that's most famous problematic. conspiracy theories that we hear about all the time resonate there, yes. This is, the thing, though, is and why this is all very, you know, ties in very nicely, Dane, is we are seeing now, because, like, LeBron having a voice, Okay, that's one thing. Yeah. College athletes? What I'm talking about man, here. That, man, that's different. Yeah. Boy, is that different. Like, that is. And that's why I kind of put these things together, right? That's yeah. why I put these things together, Kevin, because we're talking about the kneeling and kind of reclaiming the narrative, the power, right? And then we talk about this ability to leverage social media in a way never before, not only for your own revenue and money, but to help impact change as a voice. And we're seeing players more and more do that. I'll also add to this, you know, in Iowa, the strength and conditioning coach, Chris Doyle, uh, Call it fired, call it what you want. He has now a quote-unquote separation agreement from the university, albeit one in which he gets a million dollars as a buyout. But I digress. It is happening in places, you know, like we said, the time, you only have a limited amount of time to still wake up and be on the right side of history. When we come back, it's hour number two. We turn our attention to the NFL, and we've got some big logistical questions to talk about for them. It's not only baseball and basketball. NFL's got to start thinking about this, too. We'll talk about it in hour two of the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.